Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. One. Fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. gentlemen welcome to another episode of the platinum sombrero brought to you by sports drink with me as always my great pal the real brains of the operation the doctor himself doc herberts hello brought to you as always by our friends at spotify green room if you guys were paying attention earlier this morning and you weren't working like a bunch of degenerates or rich people like jeff donahue uh you could have phoned into our the first live episode I have ever done for Locked on Braves today. Well, it was a fairly decent show. We'll probably do that for TPS at some point. Um, but you should download the Spotify Green Room app, and you can follow along with me or with any of your other favorite shows or just get to know some more Braves fans from all across the world, maybe find some breaking news and whatnot. Spotify is an absolute fun app. Audio only, so you don't have to even you don't have to get gussied up. Technically, you don't even have to put on pants. I'm not going to tell you whether I have pants on or not. I'll leave that up to your imagination. But Spotify Green Room puts you right in the middle of your favorite shows and end your favorite sports. Download the app today on iOS or Android. Create your profile, link your Twitter, and you can also find and find our links every time we go live. Spotify Green Room changing the name of the game. Okay. So, this is not hard to figure out what the first topic for us to talk about is it's the return of the king man waskar anoa makes his triumphant return and i told all of you doc included how obnoxious i was going to be when waskar anoa comes back and immediately reclaims his crown as the most exciting young pitcher in the rotation well i don't want to brag too much but hey a little bit yeah i do um to all those people that were saying "Mm, waskar should come back in the bullpen he can't succeed with two pitches bryce should be starting over him in the rotation well, 
Don't look now. But Waskar went pitch for pitch with Sandy Alcantara. Did not even look like he missed a beat. Came right in the slider. Was just as sharp as it was before. Comes out pumping 98, spotting it on the corners. And the Braves are looking fine with Waskar Anoa back in the middle of the rotation. Ian Anderson, I would guess, is going to get one more start in the minors. And then the Braves will really be at full strength in that rotation. And Doc, how much fun is it to see Waskar, swaggy Waskar, back on the mound. I, I feel bad for saying this because I think I probably heard 24, 25 different people either say or tweet this, but I mean, it legitimately feels like he never left. And when you, when you look at his rehab starts, he got beat up when he was in Rome doing his first rehab start. The Gwinnett rehab start was better, but there were you know some control issues and he gave up some runs and it's just yet you had reason to wonder if everything would be fine. You know, it's it's not an elbow, it's not a shoulder that he's coming back from. It's a hand. So there's you know, there's some precedent there, but not nearly as much as the other body parts that tend to get injured. So when he came out last night, it only took a pitch or two before it's just like, okay, well he's back and everything seems to be fine. And it's it's the Marlins. It's not like he was facing facing the Dodgers or, or the Padres or anybody, but uh, really, really good start. You could tell that he kind of ran out of gas towards the end. He got pulled with exactly 80 pitches, and and that's fine. You know, the, the way the bullpen has been going recently, it actually, you feel okay at, at that point. And, and it, was, it was rare to see a pitcher's duel. And, and for, for me, just the way that this offense has been hitting, you know that eventually they're going to run into somebody like a Sandy Alcantara type who who was just, you know, he and Waskar were, were going uh, one for one last night. But it was really nice to see the team win a game where it was it was a gutsy win. Two to nothing, you know, it was one, uh, it was tied at nothing going into the eighth and then one nothing going into the ninth. You know, that's the type of game that would have been very easy to derail and then this team would have lost earlier in the season, but they didn't. And uh, coming off the, the was it twelve to two the night before? It's just showing you that, that they can do anything um, on any given night. So having Waskar back and getting Ian back relatively soon. Um, last year we we did not have this luxury when it was you know scrounging for starting pitching anywhere you could get it, and even some of the guys you could get weren't that good. Um, one of the guys that wound up getting used last year a lot was Tukey, and he just couldn't put it together. And it seems like he's really starting to figure something out this year, too. So it has been a minute since we had too many good starting pitching options. The fact that Waskar is back, Ian's coming back, Tukey's stepping up and adding to what Max and Charlie are already doing, just love it. Love to see it and love to look down on some other teams from the top of the division. And that's not even to mention, by the way, Tucker Davidson beginning a rehab assignment in Northport. Looks like he's getting closer and closer to getting back to some game action. Kyle Muller, even though his final two starts in the bigs were not good at all, um, certainly don't think that he's going to be down for very long. He certainly showed that he's got the chops to be up here as well. So things are looking good. And it's nice to see when you have a Noah come back and we can get past this stupid idea that, oh, because he only throws two pitches, he can't be a starter, despite the fact that that's exactly the way that baseball's been trending. But it does mean that now we're at this point where in our rotation, it's not enough to be good enough to be a starter. Like, now you have to actually compete against other good enough to be starters. Like, it's no more like, well, you know, he's not as bad as this person. Now it's, well, he's got to be better than so-and-so. And when you brought up Tukey, that's a really good topic of conversation because I, I texted you this during Tukey's last start where it looked like it was going to be a very short night for Tukey. Uh, and 
give him credit. He, he was not good early. He was leaving fastballs up. He was leaving every pitch up, really. I'm very lucky that we were playing the Marlins because I, I kind of do feel that if we hadn't been playing the Marlins, it might have been kind of similar to that Brewers start where he got knocked around really early. Luckily, Tukey got stronger as the game went on. He started kind of started kind of dialing in his location a little bit, and he ended up having a really good outing, which was good to see because I am not convinced that Tukey, is, Tukey to the bullpen is a foregone conclusion. I don't think they'll roll with a six-man rotation. I kind of wish they would uh, just to see if it would actually work, but I don't think they will. But Drew Smiley hasn't been pitching that splendidly himself either over the last probably four or five starts. Uh, he hasn't gotten victimized as much, but he hasn't really, if you've been watching the games, he really hasn't been locating very well, and he's kind of had a lot of luck lately. So for Tukey, it, it should not be, I don't, how do I want to phrase this? It shouldn't be demoralizing, or he shouldn't just assume that he's going back to the bullpen, even though that was the original plan at the start of this year. If he keeps going out there, and he already beat Kyle Muller for, for one rotation spot he can certainly beat drew smiley if you're drew smiley you can't just assume you're going to be in the rotation this especially as we get closer to the playoffs you're really only going to run three maybe four starters in the postseason so for right now it's all hands on deck in this rotation and that's good for the braves yeah absolutely it's smiley functioned really well as a reliever last year and he hasn't got him 11 million dollars yeah it did and and that is a that is an overpay uh but honestly the way that he's been for the last two months, you're right, he hasn't been spectacular, but they, they weren't signing him to, to be Max Free. They weren't signing him to be Charlie Morton. They were just signing him to be back-of-the-rotation type depth because we, did, we didn't have that last year. So, you know, the formula for a while was one war equals $8 million. It's, an imp- it's imperfect, and, and it's just, just kind of a guideline. So, you know, by that rationale, just, just to use it, then it would be approximately 1.3 war. Smiley is not tracking like he's going to get there yet, but that doesn't mean he's been without value, certainly for the last two months. And the way that he, uh, the way that his outings have been going, they've been escalating pitch counts. It, usually you can count on it for four innings. And he's not somebody that, for a team that is trying to go on a real big run right now. You know, he's not going to necessarily be a roadblock, but he's not somebody that I feel comfortable running out in the playoffs. I would feel more comfortable running Tukey out, even though he's got a much uh, shakier track record there. Uh, It's a possibility both of them are in the bullpen uh, when it comes down to the playoffs. But to conserve innings, I think you will see some semblance of a six-man rotation. You'll see some rotating Muller starts if he starts to figure it out a little bit. You mentioned Tucker Davidson. If he's able to get back uh, this year, I don't think he would be like a meaningful piece down the stretch, but somebody who could certainly eat some innings and, and save uh, some, some of the guys like Max and Charlie that you know are going to be uh, really logging some some workhorse-type innings in the playoffs. So just having the options is great. And and even the fact that we are able to talk about like our rotation plans for the playoffs, I know there's still 40 games left. We are 75% of the way through the season. Game 121 is being played right now. Um, just what a change. What an absolute change from two months ago. In June... The uh, 15th, we were 30 and 34, about to start that big 26 that we talked about where it was Boston and St. Louis and New York and Philadelphia and all these. And we were saying, we're going to find out a lot about this team. And then they lost the first two. They were seven and a half games back in fourth place. And now they went 34. They lost the first two games of that to the Red Sox. So they wound up going 30 and 36. And since that, they've gone 34 and 20, which when you break it out over the course of an entire season, that's 102 wins. 
and half of that has been without Ronald Acuna. I know they obviously made a ton of savvy trades in there, but just I can't believe that we even get to have that conversation. And right now, they're just on a roll. It's What, what is it, 12 out of the last 14 that they've won? We were just unable to get over 500, like the other day, and now we're eight games over 500. It's amazing. Thank goodness you and I kind of called that one too. That about as soon as this team got over that hump, they were they weren't going to look back, and it's been how it how it was. I I really feel that most of those struggles were mental or with the team itself. There's you don't alternate games for 17 consecutive games just because you aren't aren't that talented. Most of that is going to be mental, and it was for the Braves. They finally overcame it, and now they're playing like we expected them to play, minus Ronald Acuna, who by the way is still leading the Braves in F war. Just to put in perspective how dominant Acuna's season was tracking to be, it was tracking to be a legitimate Mike Trout season. He was on pace over he was on pace for about eight points eight point eight war, eight point six war, right around there, and that was in the midst of kind of a cold spell for him. So there there's a real possibility he could have tracked for a nine to ten war season, uh, which is a shame that we lost it, that we didn't get to see it. But for the Braves, it, it did allow some other guys to have to kind of step up, and now we've seen Ozzy kind of take the reins. And the guy that we really need to talk about, especially that I need to talk about, a guy that I have not been very high on in the past, Austin Riley. And I, I've been I've been saying for years that I didn't think Austin was ever going to be consistent enough to put it all together. Well, this year, I don't know if this is the best that we'll see of Austin Riley. I don't know if this is like normal Austin Riley now, or if this is just one of those peak seasons. But what you're seeing right now is absolutely an MVP caliber player. The best case scenario for Austin Riley, like of his entire career, like if you if you fast forward 20 years and you tell me the best season Austin Riley ever had, he hit 294 with a 371 OBP, a 533 slugging, hit 30 plus home runs and played absolutely rock solid defense and made some stellar plays over there. If you told me that was the best season he ever had, I'd be like, wow. That's a real solid quality player and so much better than any outcome that I would have guessed because he had all the talent in the world, but he just struggled to consistently put it together all at once until like right before he busted through because he, before he got to Gwinnett, the slow start thing like he had going on this year, I mean, he just, it was very up and down. And ever since he hit that first home run this season in New York, now this best case scenario season for him where he's hitting 294, 371, 533 with 30 plus home runs, yada yada yada. This is his age 24 season. Like I I don't know if this is is replicable for him. I don't know if he's going to be able to go out and do this again next year. Usually guys that have that same some of the same concerns that were surrounding him, they struggled to do this year over year, but maybe not. You know, maybe maybe he's an exception to that rule. I'm just we have watched him turn into a star this year. And, and I'm not saying that he's like some type of superstar or that he'll be able to, to pick this up in 2022. But even if he never performs like this again, Austin Riley has been a star in 2021. And not just that. He doesn't even have to be this level of star to be an outstanding player. You and I were, were saying early on this year, and it does go all the way back to that Yankees that Yankees series where the approach for him just completely 180 And all we were saying was, hey, go ahead and hit 235, hit 240. If you bring some power and you have good defense, that's perfectly fine in this lineup. You don't have to go out there and be the 290-300. Well, he's doing that and providing the power and playing good defense. I know OAA has him kind of 
kind of dinged on him a little bit. But I, I think OAA is kind of messed up a little bit. I think they might need to find some tweaks and fine-tune that a little bit. I think some shifts are starting to, to mess with it uh, just a touch because there's they've also got Dansby rated as like a 10th percentile defender. And say what I will about Dansby, uh, and I will at times, he's not a 10th percentile defender. Um, by by any stretch of the imagination, it had it had Trey Turner at like a thirteenth percentile. Again, just not not true at all. Um, so they might need to tweak some there. But what Austin's been able to do with the with the loss of Ozuna, especially to just walk in and take over that cleanup spot that we've all kind of earmarked for him anyway, it's been great to see. And it's been it's been huge for the Braves to lose Acuna, and then you have Riley and Dansby and Ozzy all kind of step up offensively. I know Ozzy's been going through a little bit of a cold spell, but don't. Don't discount what he's done this year overall. Those three guys kind of stepped into that void and then allowed you to go out and, and get some some smaller additions, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, that have paid big dividends thus far, plus Richard Rodriguez, who has been pretty much lights out since he came over. He's had like one bad outing, and it was only bad by his standards. Um, overall, everything on the club seems to be working right now. Will Smith even had a clean inning yesterday, which I, I thought that I might have gone... Uh, been raptured without without being told, and it just kind of happened. But kind of lets you know everything's coming up Braves right now. Travis Darno's back. He hasn't been. Uh, Braves are undefeated with Travis Darno coming back. Th- that's right, and you know he hasn't hit like he would in twenty twenty, and I don't think any of us really expected him to. But he is always a threat to go deep. So you got guys one through eight, and when Wascar is in there, you got guys one through nine who are threats to go deep at any given and when time. Max Fried's in there. He's got a 121 WRC plus he, right now. He's been worth almost one. It's been 0.9 F4 offensively. That's not even counting what he's been doing. I mean, his bad bip is like 481, and this is preposterous. But he and Noah have been carrying this. The Braves are the best hitting team as far as pitchers go in baseball, and it's really not even like close. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? It's not teams playing against us now. It's our pitchers doing the hurting. I, I never even thought about it like that. We got smoked by opposing pitchers for decades, and then, you know, you get the the one the one year of the DH, so uh, it, it had, that has been nice. I mean, you're obviously not going to replace the, the production from an actual DH, but it hasn't been a, a complete black hole in the nine spot for the lineup, but but you're right. Just everywhere you look, and and this isn't gonna continue. You know, like this, there will be some continued success. But in the way it's going, where you know Dansby's hitting like 900 over the last month or whatever. I mean, he that that's another one. We we both atoned. I I atoned last week, and you begrudgingly admitted that he's not been as bad as, <laughs> as you said. But uh, I mean, Dansby has been crushing it. He just killed. Washington, goodness gracious! He is, he is on some sort of streak right now. He, he, he really is. is, and and even some of the defensive plays that he's been making, like that sliding catch and foul foul ground. Was that last night he did it, where he just immediately yep. sprung back up and kept the run from scoring? Like man, it was what a smart play. So, so and and I'm not trying to be a downer by saying this isn't going to continue. I mean, the team has better players now, so and they they know they're good. They're in first, so the era of good feelings can continue. But this has been against you know, the Nationals and the Marlins, and we're about to play the Orioles. Things are about to get real. We, the, truthfully, for the, the rest of the season, it's pretty much split, okay? We have the last game of the Marlins series tonight, and so we have three against the Orioles, three against the Nationals, four against the Marlins, seven against the Rockies, and four against the Diamondbacks. And then we have three and a half against the Padres, 
Six against the Giants, three against the Dodgers, two against the Yankees, three against the Phillies, and three against the Mets. The Phillies and Mets could possibly, by the time we face them, it's the last two series of the season, so by, they could be in kind of that crappy team category, the one that I listed first. But it's it's kind of even it's evenly split for the rest of the season how things are going to go. So as long as they do what they have been doing, which is win the games you are supposed to win, there's no reason, there's no reason to ever lose a series to these Washington Nationals, and they didn't. That's great. No, they swept them. Yes, they did. And they, they should have swept them twice. And if not for that one bad Will Smith inning, then they would have swept them twice. They took two out of three from the Marlins. And they're going into Baltimore and starting, at least as as of this recording, the Orioles have lost 13 in a row. There's a real, there's a possibility, knock on wood here, but there's a possibility that you could go 11-1 over the course of that, you know. Which is good, because when you get to the games against the Giants, the Dodgers, the Yankees, who are streaking, you got to be on your best. But even going into those games, like if that stretch in the schedule had been in, I don't know, May, June, you look at that and say, we're going to go 2-6 and six, if we're lucky. And now I look at it and say, we could go 5-3 and three in that stretch, you know? And, and, and realistically, that's not just me being a homer. So, things are good. I, I'm... Got my fingers crossed that this hot streak will last for another two weeks. Just get us through that first Dodger series, and then, you know, then we'll, you can reassess again. By that point, it's the end of August. You have one month left. The Mets have been in free fall. Philly, Philly's not in free fall, but they're, they're not really they're just, stepping I up right now. I look at that team. They're just not that talented. I know that they've been kind of hanging around all year, but they're just not an overly talented ball club like position by position. They're kind of I almost feel like they've been lucky. I think I feel if I were to dig into them a little bit that they'd be a team that's been feasting on bad teams and not beating good teams. And they have a lot of games against bad teams between now and the end of the year, but they have to win them. And they they don't have that same sense. There's like a real sense of urgency around the Braves right now. And I, and I don't watch Phillies games regularly, but even even when we saw them, because we've seen them for 16 games already this season, they don't have that same fire and urgency that you would expect out of a team that's trying to to make a run and it now to be catching up. You know, they lost to the Diamondbacks last night, and dude, they're trying to get to the playoffs for the first time since 2011. They haven't had a winning season since 2011. Is that right? Yeah. Is that true? Did I just make that up? I think so. I think I think they were at 500 in 2011. Okay. Man. Either that, or they maybe made a wild card at like 500. But it's been—I know they haven't been over 500 since 2011. I mean, that's yeah. So that is a team that has a lot on its back that it's trying to shake off. So you would you would expect to see that urgency. So um, as if we just keep doing what we're doing, we worry about ourselves. We truthfully, you know, we we will scoreboard watch, and you know, it's possible that the Mets could ad- ad- eventually go on some type of run and get their get their name back in the ring. But for now, if we just keep just don't change anything. Don't do anything drastic. Just keep keep winning. <laughs> That's all I ask. Just keep winning. Doesn't always have to be pretty. You just have to do it. Also, bring it back to the beginning, reminding you guys to download Spotify Green Room and join the online craze at Sweep of the Nation, the locker or formerly locker room, Spotify Green Room changing the name of the audio format. So we don't have a lot of time because you and I both want to go watch Jesus Lazardo throw because he's a guy that's super talented. Uh, 
and it's just another case of the Marlins looking to stack young pitching talent up. Um, but there was one really interesting question by Jeff Passan on Twitter. And Passan, shocker of all shockers, Passan has something interesting or cool. Um, but it's almost like he read our extra innings segments that we used to do and tried to come up with his own little topic. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm going to ask you this question, Doc. If you're commissioner for a day, what is your first move? And you can't say fire Rob Manfred because that's the first thing everybody's going to say. <laughs> so what is what is your what is your creme de la creme, your defining idea as commissioner? Mm, I can't fire Rob Manfred. You said that already. No, okay. Um, yeah. Well, you can, but just uh, just assume that you're already doing. That. Well, in in a scenario during which I I am commissioner, then there's obviously some type of magic or chicanery going on. So I assume that he is just orbiting Jupiter at this point. Um, I would pro- uh, I think I would probably expand. The fact that there's 15 teams in both divisions drives me nuts. And and look and once again, you know, the re- part of the reason they haven't expanded is because the Oakland and Tampa situations. But even those would just be relocation. So yeah, I would snap my my fingers at, with the help of the genie who made me commissioner. Uh, we would uh, add a team in uh, Vancouver and a team in Montreal. The, that would be cool. There we go. And that way, it's much more even. You can go back to four teams and four divisions. I've got this weird thing about symmetry. Like, three by five, it's fine. But four by four is, like, square. Better. Yeah, it's square. So, you know, rectangles, boo. Squares, good. Dylan, if you're commissioner, what do you do? So, I wouldn't even fire Rob Manfred. I would straight up ban him for life. Um, I would also yank Bud Selig out of the Hall of Fame and ban him for life. But we're not counting that. So, are you just going to go My like on Scorched the, Earth tour where you just completely sully the names of all former commissioners? Basically, Paul Tagliabue, his name is banned. He's not banned, but his name is banned, uh, even though he's not even baseball. I was going to say, um, geez, dude. <laughs> Gary Bettman, <laughs> yeah, anyway, you're out of here. Right? Like, just gone. Never mention him to me again. Um, but no, my, my real my real move, my one defining moment would be instituting a reverse draft uh, for non-playoff teams. I'm tired of seeing teams uh, field and purposely field really, really bad lineups that aren't trying to win uh, and get rewarded for it with a first, with a number one overall pick. I think that that incentivizes tanking. And if you want to get the most revenue out of baseball, you want to make baseball the most appealing to the most fan bases, make it to where every team is always trying, make it to where there's a real incentive to try to win. Uh, And I know people are going to be like, well, you know what? Then, then people will just get close to that wild card game and lose. Here's the thing. That is easy to say on paper. That is not easy to do. It is not easy to get your team just good enough to fall one game short. And that's not even counting players into it. When players are in the middle of a chase and you're quote-unquote tanking, the players aren't going to be tanking. So uh, I, I I would do that. I would institute a reverse draft, and I would also start to have I – w- I would actually penalize teams, by the way, that aren't fielding good players that are that are significantly significant losers year after year after year i'd start adding in penalties even up to considering putting their teams up for auction but first things first the reverse the reverse draft for non-playoff teams would be my defining moment as a as a commissioner you know i i do think that you're on to something you know, tanking was with just such a swear word for a long time and truthfully if not if not for some very obvious tanking the braves would not be in the position they're in right now um because there were a couple of years there where 
call it what you want. For sure. We abs- we tanked as hard as we could. 2016, 2017. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you don't get talent like Ian Anderson, Kyle Muller, Joey Wentz all in the same draft if you don't tank a little bit. So, um, but I do like the idea of tweaking it just a little bit. J.J. Cooper had an idea of having, like, a using aggregate record for the last three years or something. I like the idea of, uh, of a reverse draft or, or something similar, like kind of like the lottery system. Uh, that the NBA See, uses. I don't like the lottery either because I I would rather I would I mean I would do the lottery before I would do the way we have it now. But I'm not a big lottery fan either. Just I I like the it disincentivizes tanking or it just doesn't guarantee anything. Like you can suck right. and and it plays the odds in your favor a little bit. Like when they're when they got the the balls and the the ping pong machine, you know. But uh, that make any sense? Um, but. The ping pong machine. The ping. What the hell is a ping pong machine? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it 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 doesn't. Uh, it's not a slam dunk that you're going to get the number one pick in the, in the NBA. And I don't. Truthfully, I have no idea how the hockey draft works. So uh, neither do I, and I don't really care to know. Sorry to the four hockey fans out there. But I did know Gary Bettman's name. So, but yeah, did. yeah, yeah. That's true. So. I like the idea of the reverse draft. I think it'd be fun to see. I think it'd be fun to do something different, something that the rest of organized sports aren't doing, which would just be don't reward teams for being bad. And that gives ownership of those really bad teams a reason to be like, all right, well, I got to go at least be semi-decent so I can get a good draft pick. I think it would change the game. And if you can make it to where more teams are actively trying to win, it's going to increase players' pay, obviously, without having to institute a salary floor or a salary cap. And it also would allow you would have more fan interaction because more teams would be in the hunt. Then you could go from that to expanding the postseason. There's there's a lot of different ways you can go from that from that aspect. But for now, we are up against the time that we said that we were going to. Both both you and I want to go watch the game a little bit. And um, I think that we're both very excited right now. We don't want to jinx anything else. The Braves are going very, very nice right now. Everything's going well. Everything is going smoothly right now. Washington is awful. We swept them like we should. The Marlins have not been good. We beat them again in this series. The Mets are not good. They're kind of in free fall. The Phillies have been kind of scrounging around, but they're losing games to the Diamondbacks now, so it's not just us. Things are looking up for the Atlanta Braves as we get ready to go into the really tough part of this schedule uh, when we play San Francisco and L.A. And I keep looking at, at San Francisco, and I still, for the life of me, I don't know how they're playing as well as they are. I don't get Again, it, yeah. Like, Philadelphia, that's not a very talented roster. Like, that's that's nothing but a bunch of old guys and cast-offs. I don't know how they're performing the way they are, but they are. Uh, and so what I can keep hoping is that they just keep frustrating the Dodgers to the point where the Dodgers are, are so focused on the Giants that the Braves get to go in there and, and beat them up a little bit, which would be nice. It's going to be hard because now the Dodgers have Trey Turner, so I'm expecting him to just transfer his Trey Turner powers over to the Dodgers. Um... But overall, I mean, the Braves are in a great spot. You and I are having a whole lot of fun with this. And for everybody out there listening, I know you guys are enjoying the game. It's a little bit of a shorter episode this week as we've got a lot of stuff going on around the Lay House. So for me and for Doc and for Braves Nation in general, hopefully you guys enjoy this little shorter episode. Hopefully the Braves can keep this winning streak going five in a row, looking for six. Let's push it to 10 or 14. I know we just said that the, the Orioles are on a 13-game losing streak. Wouldn't it be cool if the Braves, who basically trade with the Orioles more than anybody else, go on a 13-game winning streak? That would be that would be a very nice change of pace for 2021, wouldn't you say? I would absolutely say so. And it's also worth noting that the Orioles are up 2-0 on the Rays in the first inning. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, it would be kind of fun. So everybody, again... 
Uh, I'm not going to ramble. I promised Doc I wouldn't ramble today, so we're going to go ahead and get out of here on time for once in our careers. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back again next week right here on your home for the Braves, the Platinum Sombrero. The Ramble Proof Platinum Sombrero. Thank you for being a